0: We started a series um, a gazillion weeks ago and uh, we, I'm hoping to finish it today. We've been looking at the School of the Spirit and this is part seven of our wonderful series. And again, I will implore us to look, if you've forgotten or you have not uh, listen to any of the previous parts there on youtube you can always start from part one to seven most of us will watch series how many of you watch series in this place i know people that won't mention their names but when they sit with some korean series like this 50 episodes and each episode is one hour if you can watch that one don't ever tell god that a salmon of one and a half hours is too much the koreans in heaven might slap your face (laughs) (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) so today we are considering modules of the school of the spirit and uh, we are going to look about at about five of them the number one which is like the core module is obedience i'm going to be as fast as i can um open your bibles to hebrews chapter five verse eight says, although he was a son, he learned, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible Classic Edition. Although he was a son, he learned active special obedience through what he suffered and his completed experience making him perfectly equipped. He became the author and source of eternal salvation to all those who give it and obey him. This is a description of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, although you are a son, and that applies to all of us too, all of us are sons of God. When I say sons, it's in, I'm including men and women. All of us are sons of God. And the Bible now says, although Jesus was a son, so it's not that your, when we say obedience, it's not that your status is questionable. You are a son. God has accepted you as his own. So your status in God is not the issue. You have been made the son, but then for the function that Jesus had to perform here, the Bible now says he learned, he, he, that he learned obedience through what he suffered. Remember that the problem that Adam and Eve had was that when they were supposed to obey God, they chose to obey the devil. So now the person that will come and bring restoration must also show himself qualified in that he would have the option to disobey like Adam and Eve did, and he would not disobey. And on the strength of his obedience, he now qualifies to stand as the author of salvation. And the Bible says he lent obedience through what is suffered. And the Bible now says in verse 9 that that obedience made him perfectly equipped. That's one of the reasons we go through. The Holy Ghost takes us through certain things. So that at the end of it, you are perfectly equipped for what God wants you to do. So that 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 by the time the Holy Ghost is done training you, you have all the tools required to become all that you need to be. All of us know the story of David and Goliath. Imagine if it was when David faced Goliath that he decided to start learning how to use a sling. What do you think would happen to him? If it was at that point he started learning how to confront ferocious and and unforgiving um enemies. What do you think would happen to him? You know, so he had, he had done all the training in the backside of the desert such that when he saw Goliath, he was the only one that saw Goliath the way that others didn't see him. He was one that had been in a position where he understood the covenants that God had with them. So, and he knew that that covenant was sealed by circumcision. So when he saw Goliath, he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Everybody called Goliath a giant. Everybody was terrified of his... You know, Goliath was so ferocious that to get to him, you have to get through his armor bearer. You remember, Bible says he had somebody carrying his shield in front of him. So you had to get through that guy to get to Goliath. Yet, in all these things, David was not terrified because he had learned his lesson with the lion. He had learned his lesson with killing the lion and the bear. And then he said, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear. You are just... The difference between you and them is that you can talk and you can stand on your two legs. But either way, I'm going to hand you the same way I handed them. But David himself, you will see the obedience in his journey because he was the youngest and he was the one they told to go and be looking after sheep. If he was not obedient, even though it was not him that was supposed to be doing it because he's the tiniest of everybody, you gave him the little sheep and oxen you had told him to go into the desert, knowing fully well that there's the threat of lions and there's the threat of bear. And you sent him anyway, knowing that he was not even a soldier. That's to tell you how unwanted David was. That they knew that a lion could kill him. They knew that a bear could kill him. And they didn't care. Go and sit in the desert and be watching the sheep Anyway. But he, through that, God took him through a school so that at the end of it all, he, he could differentiate between the circumcised, the uncircumcised, the anointed, the unanointed. When he saw Goliath and he had the chance to kill him, he called him an uncircumcised Philistine. When he saw Saul, and he also, Saul was also trying to kill David the same way Goliath was going to kill him. But when he saw Saul, he recognized that this was not just somebody that was after his life. This was the anointed of God. Such that when an Amalekite came and lied and said, I was the one that killed David. What I was the one that killed Saul. What did Saul? What did David do? David killed him and said, You, you stretched forth your hand against the anointed. That was somebody that was seasoned in the things of the school of the spirit. And like the Lord Jesus in that Hebrews chapter 5, that he learned it. Through what he suffered, and then what he suffered made him perfectly equipped to become the author and source of salvation to those who give heed and obey. So all of us would have to go in the footsteps of Jesus, in terms of also obedience. The obedience is one of the is probably the most important part of the school of the Holy Ghost, because if the, the Holy Ghost can only lead you by telling you to do A, B, C, and D. If you don't do it, if you don't obey that, it cannot teach you anything. You understand? So, obedience is like the foundation. Go there. Don't go. Sit. Get up. Go to work today. Don't go to work today. I heard the story of people that I think it was in their church one day, and, and um, the pastor, I think the pastor was like, don't go to work tomorrow. And the people were like, uh, if we don't turn up to work tomorrow, they might fire us. But the pastor told the specific people that they, must, they shouldn't go to work tomorrow. You know, part of those people worked at the World Trade Center, if they had not obeyed that day, the twin tower would have come, up, come down on their heads. But he said, don't go. And they didn't. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. The other thing I want to know is that even though the Bible says we learn obedience by the things we suffer, we must know that, like I've said, we don't suffer in vain. We don't go through things just for the sake of it. You must always look at everything you go through in the, with the lens of what God wants you to learn. So if you are going through something, you must ask yourself a question. Um, is, this because, is this punishment for my sin? Or is this something that God is trying to show me. If it is punishment for your sin, repent. If it is not punishment for your sin, then you need to ask yourself, is it that God is trying to show me something or is it that I've given the devil a chance and he has taken that chance to punish me? Because many times it is the devil that has taken an opportunity to punish men, to afflict men. And people say, oh, it's just God. We know the story of Job. As far as Job was concerned, his own summary of that matter was the Lord give it, the Lord take it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But was it God that took? Was it God that took? And because for long he didn't know that it wasn't God that took, he had a quarrel, his own quarrel was with God. Because he didn't know that it wasn't God. That God gives. God, God does not just take away just for the sake of it so you can just suffer for nothing. No. So we must know if it is the devil taking advantage of something or if it is that God is allowing it for a lesson that we need to learn. The Lord will us in Jesus' name. Okay, so um, also I must say this. I love saying it that poverty is not suffering for righteousness' sake. Write it down and don't forget. Po- poverty is not suffering for righteousness' sake. Yes, there might be times where you go through certain situations and circumstances, maybe as on your journey towards freedom, financial and all, all sorts of freedom that God wants to give you. But being having the mindset that poverty, you know, it had, this thinking has afflicted the church before, that they equated poverty to holiness. And so, it was, they allowed everybody else to go after money. They allowed everybody else to buy all the land and buy all the business and everything. In Because if you do, you know they say it about politics. If you go to politics now, as far as some people are concerned, you are the second cousin of Satan. But if you are not there, how can you make decisions if you are not there? How can you influence decisions if you are not even there when the decisions are been made? Yet, in the Bible, we have examples of politicians. Daniel was a wonderful politician, served about three or four kings. And at every point, they knew Daniel for his God. And Daniel was a powerful, powerful rich man. So let us not say that there is a field that uh, you must not find a child of God. You must find a child of God in every field. But the point is, is that child of God led into the field? Or he just chose it because... Because if you also now choose it just for the sake of it and God is not leading you there, you might have problems. When you go where God doesn't lead you, you will, you will encounter problems that God didn't schedule for you to meet. And one of the consequences might be that the grace to overcome that problem might not be available. I've told the story of a servant of God that I went somewhere and was rebuking demons that God and the Holy asked that the Holy Ghost asked him that who, who sent you, who what are you doing here, and he said, Lord, can't you see this, all these demonic activities and all that? And the Holy Ghost, did I send you, my friend? Pack your bags, and leave. So there's, it's not every you know, it's not every demon that <laughs> let me not even let me not even start. It's not every demon that you see that you can cast away. If the person hosting the demon loves the demon, you cannot cast out the demon. That's why when you do deliverance, one of the things you first ask is, do you want to be free? If the person says no, there is nothing you can do. That demon is not going anywhere because you cannot override the will of another person. So you say, do you want to be free? That's why Jesus will say, do you believe I can heal you? Do you believe I can open your eyes? If the person says no, Jesus will walk away. You cannot, God has not given it to want anybody to override anybody, other person's will, in any situation. The only times where you might be able to override someone else's will is if you are responsible for a child. The child is not an adult. So at the point to which you are responsible for that child, you can tell that child what to do and what not to do. And unless a person willingly submits their will to you, you cannot dictate what they can and cannot do. A pastor can do his best. But if somebody says, if if a person doesn't want to come to church tomorrow, for example, what, what am I supposed to do? I encourage the person, I call them and do all these things. But at the end of the day, you cannot override people's will because God has given them that power. So if the person says, this demon... In fact, I'm enjoying it. Leave this demon alone. Leave the demon alone. hallelujah and also um let's read Romans five. Let me show something in Romans chapter five from verse three. It says moreover, let us be full let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produces, they produce patient and unwavering endurance. And endurance develops maturity of character. And character produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. So one of the reasons we suffer is that God wants to build character in us god wants us to be strong so you say to god god um i help me i don't want to lie today you know what will happen to you that day <laughs> you will end up with opportunities to lie if you say lord i don't want to be angry anymore the way god will help is that He will bring people that will annoy so maybe the first day You are annoyed and then you get back home and say, Lord, um, I failed today. (laughs) How many of us, let me ask us this question. How many of us have received emails that you see the email and you're like, hmm, this is how you want to play it, right? Okay. And then you start typing furiously. How many of us have happened before? All of you are saints. It's happened to me before. That the, I want to reply that email and ask, and ask, who is your father your mother by the way, to be talking to me like this. You know, things like, and then when you have done, type the only goes to be like, uh, are you sure you want to send that email? Like, Lord, for once, for once, let me just, no. And then you delete the whole thing and you start again. Dear Caroline, as per our previous email. Initially, you are like, oh, by the way, are you deaf? Did you not see what I said yesterday? <laughs> Then you reply, oh, dear Caroline, um, apologies for the late reply. Even though in your mind, you are late because you are venting. <laughs> then the legal comes and says, no, 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 you can't do that. Those are things that build character. Because the day might come, you, you will get an email from someone way so important to your destiny that if you reply with the hot head that you have at that moment... You would ruin things. It might make your journey longer, and then the Holy Ghost comes early and says, "No, don't do this. No, don't do that." So all of this, you know, inside you will be boiling, but you still send that calm, nice Holy Ghost email, and then when you finish, be like, "Holy Ghost, that was your own. <laughs> that was that email was just your own." Because if you had left me to write my own, I'll scatter this place. But it is th- those are. Some of the sufferings you go through, where you you have to curb. One of the sufferings is that your flesh and your your soul, you have to curb them, and and that curbing sometimes is not very easy. But you have to curb. The Holy Ghost makes you submit some instincts to the spirit, so that you are ruled by your spirit instead of being ruled by your flesh. And those those things can be very very painful. Somebody upsets you so much and you want to say something, and the Holy Ghost is like, say nothing. Somebody goes to report you to your boss and totally, what's that word, assassinates your character. And then you want to go to the boss to defend yourself, and the Holy Ghost says, leave it alone. It says, leave it alone. You know, it, something happened to me one time where I, I applied for something and, you know, everything was going well. The person was so keen sending me out to apply for visas and how to apply for this and apply for that. And I'd done everything and everything was fine. So we got to the last stage, which was that, oh, you know, um, references, you know, somebody should just give me a reference and all that. And... So I supplied the names of a couple of people for a reference and then that was the last I had from the person. So the person went from um, telling me how to apply for a visa and all of this to complete radio silence. Sent the first email, no response. Sent the second one, no response. At some point, I figured maybe the person died. So I went online to go check the profile and the person was Perfectly fine, active online and all that. The person just absolutely refused to reply my to reply me or to continue my application or anything. So for a while I was stumped. That, hmm, what happened here? And then later, one of the people that gave me reference just made an like just it just made a comment like that, and the person was like, ah you said you wanted to do this oh so nice so you applied there once the person did that i knew <laughs> i knew the person had written the worst reference ever and this person is so important to my career basically so I, I i left what would i do i left it alone and then i applied for a job somewhere else and then and then the person they offered me the job and said references that we want a reference from that person that means this to you. And I looked at them and like, it's not gonna happen. Like, why? Like because I said so. It's not why would I why would I hand my life to that person for a second time? But in all these things, if it was the me, if it was the whole me, we would have had a a conversation. But he knew me. The body gave me. He kept quiet and like, the Lord will, the Lord will settle this score. So you would, you would go through things that, that you cannot fight for yourself. But many, many times, God makes you, God doesn't fight for you immediately and he doesn't let you fight for yourself. And many times what happens is that maybe years later, the person comes back needing you such that if you had burnt that bridge that time that person might have been lost forever. So for the sake of what is going to happen in five years time, God will make you keep quiet today. You'll be burning inside. That's part of the suffering but God will make sure you don't see anything so that you can be the person that preserves that life five years down the line. You know, one of the things, when God, God will start to trust you with more things, when God can, has proven you that you, your, that preservation of life is more important to you than how you feel. Such that, you know, Jesus was in front of Pilate. The Bible said he opened not his mouth. Jesus could have said many things. He could have, at some point, he said he could have called down angels if he wanted. Jesus could have done anything, but he kept quiet. So God makes us, builds character in us. God prunes us in many ways. God can ask you that um, all the money in your account, go and give it to this person. God can make you give that money to somebody that you know has more money than you. So you know, you know sometimes we, you, you, are, you, you find it easier if God says, give 20 pounds to that man sitting in front of Asda. You know he doesn't have. So in your mind you can rationalize it like I'm helping someone that's completely broke, but then if God now tells you to go and give your your money to somebody who you know has way more than you, then your reaction changes. Yes or no? Your reaction changes because you know he doesn't even need it. You pro- you probably take your money and give to his son, and the Lord is saying, take. You know that's what many believers, that's the point they have with maybe servants of God. They feel The servant of God has a lot. But it's not about the ban. It is about the God who asked you to give it to the man and what that God wants to accomplish. So even if the person you are giving to has more than you, don't think of that person. Think of the God who asked you to give to that person. What is going to be, where you give the person, what gets transmitted back to you? Because in the realms of the spirit, it's only person, someone that is higher that can pull up somebody that is lower. So you might be giving that person money and what you get back is an upgrade in spiritual perception. It's an upgrade in spiritual abilities. It's an upgrade you know, a <laughs> servant of God said that he and his wife went to visit another servant of God and the, his wife packed some of the tapes that her husband has preached, packed the tapes and when they got to the other servant of God, she just said, I brought you some tapes i give you the tapes and immediately she handed him the tape the ability to see visions the ability to see like never before came upon her she didn't pray for it you know many people pray lord open my eyes let me see she didn't have to pray for it all she did was just she just packed tapes and gave so her husband went back to god and said god i'm not sure what is happening here I was the one that preached those sermons that she gave away. How come <laughs> I don't have this ability? And the Lord asked me, were you the one that gave? You aren't the one that gave. You are the one that preached the sermon, yes, but were you the one that gave the tips? No. The Lord bless us in Jesus' name. So we must always look at what God, the Holy Ghost takes us through in the light of the character that is building in us. And when he has finished building that character, then he now places upon us grace such that, remember Moses. The Bible says Moses was the meekest man on the earth. Yet, when when God took of the spirit that was upon Moses and put on 70 elders, what did they do? They prophesied. They, They completely got lost in the spirit. So imagine how much power that Moses was carrying and the man was still calm even though you made a few mistakes but but if 2 million people were baying at you how many how many days would you make it before you lost it at some point god came and said look let me destroy these people and make a new generation of you moses was a levite he was an israelite and moses said no 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 don't destroy them if you destroy them now the the, the people will say you brought them out of Egypt and now you don't have the power to take them to the promised land, so you destroyed them on the way. He started to give God reasons why God should not destroy them. That was someone that built the character to not mishandle spiritual things. If God knows that, it, it doesn't cost God anything to give us certain abilities, but God knows that certain abilities today might destroy somebody's life. If God gave you the power today that whatever you say comes to pass in two days, can can we guarantee that before the end of this year you won't kill somebody? Can you guarantee God that before the end of this year, not even this week, this year, you won't kill somebody with it? And the Bible says the gifts of God are without they are not with repentance they are without repentance. So if God gives you that ability, and then you go around slaying people that imagine when Stephen was being stoned and he died. Imagine if he said, Lord, all the people that contributed to this destroyed them. He would have added Apostle Paul to that equation. Because it was Apostle Paul that was looking after the clothes. You know, you know, you know how uh, terrible it was. They wanted to stone, stone a man. They were removing their shirts and laying it at the feet of like you look after our shirts. We need to kill somebody. And you know how many stones it takes to kill a man. It's one of the most horrible ways to die. With stone hits you at the back of it, either use your forehead or your arm, your stomach, you know how many they have to throw at you before you eventually die? And when he was dying, he said, Lord, do not lay this thing to their charge. That was the prayer that saved Paul. Otherwise, and even though, imagine, imagine let's even say, <laughs> Stephen didn't pray that prayer. Look at what Paul already suffered. Even with that prayer that Stephen prayed, look at what Apostle Paul suffered. Now imagine if that prayer was not prayed. Now imagine. So God wants to give us the ability the the you know I, I've always thought that oh Stephen that Apostle Paul ended up inheriting the anointing that was upon Stephen, which is true. But one of the other anointings that Apostle Paul inherited was the apost- that was the anointing upon James. There were three of them at the Mount of Transfiguration: Peter, James, John. James they beheaded him before he even wrote anything. Um, I this in my opinion, um, Paul ended up writing things that James may have written because of the level of revelation that he ended up having. But look at the character that he built in Paul. Paul had reasons to, to, to brag. At some point, he said, let me talk foolishly. You say you're a Pharisee. I'm a Pharisee or Pharisees. You, you say you know the law. I, myself, am a doctor of the law. You have nothing to boast about. At some point, when he was being beaten, they were like, um, um, are you a Roman citizen? He said, "He said yes," and the was like, "Oh, I bought my Roman citizenship with a great price." Paul was like, "Well, I was freeborn." It's like when you come here and you're like, "Oh, I had to pay for my citizenship," and somebody looks at that, "Well, I was born here, so <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about." You know. So Paul had reasons to boast, but at the end, of he said, "All these things I count as dung." For what? That is where God wants to get us to, where, where we have the ability to inflict problems. Because we, are, that we have so much stature to, to, if you say, leave, the person lives. If you say, die, the person dies. But that you are so conscious of the fact that God wants to save as many as possible, that even when you have the ability to punish things, you don't. Just so that that soul, that is precious before the sight of God, can find a reason to be saved, hallelujah. Number two, quickly. Um, Number two is called spiritual dependence. You look at uh, the book of John 15, verse five, it says, without me, you can do nothing. You look at the book of Judges 16, you see the story of Samson. Uh, You know, that story is such a crazy story. Like, um, Samson, what's the source of your strength? If they bind me with new cords, I would would, become weak and be like other men. And they actually did it. If you told somebody the first one and they did it, you told them the second one, they did it. You told them the third one, they did it. How do you think you would tell them to do one and they won't do it? So he kept going, he kept going, he kept going. And we have discussed it here. It's because he didn't have real regard. At some point, he said, oh, if you weave my hair in one way, the power will leave. And she did it. Spiritual dependence is that we get to that point in our lives where we learn to ask before we go. We learn to ask before we do. It is not that you are in the middle of the problem and then you now say... Lord, save me. <laughs> I was listening to, to Daddy Doe sometimes ago and I was given the testimony of somebody that uh, insisted on marrying an unbeliever and insisted, like, you cannot marry an unbeliever. Like, no, I love him. I do this, I do this, I do... So she insisted and then she married the person. Fast forward a few years and she became the man's... Uh, What's that drum now? That one you drum with your hand, except it wasn't proper drum. It was human being. This brother was beaten, so she ran back and said, "Ah, Daddy, save me!" Ah, I'll I'll say to you what the Lord said. to The Lord said to me, "My grace is sufficient (laughs) for you," because there are some things that once you have done, you have entered. And only God, you know, the, the marriage covenant is such that until death do you part. So that even when you, people, I know people don't like to hear it, but the biblical provision is that until death parts two people. So except one of them dies, the other person is not released from the marriage covenant. So even though you, you separate both of them so that it doesn't kill, so that one doesn't kill the other, scripturally speaking, as long as the other person is still alive, the, the woman in question now let's let's use the example the woman cannot go and remarry somebody else but if that person because death is spiritual death is physical if that person let's say the man now decides to go and marry somebody else thereby breaking the covenant and the hold they had to themselves except that hold is broken in some way the woman is not free to go and marry somebody else you understand so, as if it, the, the woman is a Christian, the other man the man is not a Christian, so until the man, you know, you know, even the Bible recognizes union between unbelieving man and believing husband. He said the unbelieving man is sanctified by the believing one. So, even though the man is not born again, still, the, the covenant still holds as far as God is concerned. So, the, the cure for it is not to enter in the first place. Because once you enter into that union that is unequally yoked, that do you part no. hallelujah. So spiritual dependence does that you start to ask. It doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. I heard the story of a man that the son of God. that was going to. He was going to preach in a crusade, and he, he, his son had a little uh, swelling on the nose like this. So he was hurrying to bless. Him, he was hurrying to go and minister, and. And uh, So he said, oh, before I go, let's quickly get to the hospital so the doctor can check the boy. And for, I don't know how that whole matter went because the man decided, I'm going to leave the boy in the hospital, go to the crusade, come back and pick, and pick the boy. And he was like, doctors, do whatever you need to do. So the doctors decided to cut that swelling out and just patch it. And so while the man went to the crusade and the doctors were cutting the swelling and patching it, the boy started to bleed. Long story short, the of God comes from the crusade. Where is his son? His son is in the mortuary. So even when you are hurrying to say, I want to go and do something, even if it is God's thing that you want to go and do, then I've us before, not just the what that you want to go and do, how you are supposed to do it, when you are supposed to do it, it, it takes a split second. Holy Spirit, should I do this? But it takes the fact that you know His voice through consistent fellowship with Him to be able to say, to be able to, you know, many times you need to make split second decisions. It's not every time that you have one hour to pray. It's not every time you have seven days to fast and pray to hear. There are times it should I get on that train or not? But as you fellowship with Holy goes, you start to understand that many times it comes with your instinct. That, that thing just flashes that, don't. Many times we override it and just do it, but when we start to learn to calm down, that whether the point getting there is more important than getting there early. You understand me? You want to get somewhere by seven o'clock. Getting there at all is more important than not getting there at all. So it's better you miss that train, get on the next one. When I was here doing my masters, um, I had a little—I think I had a little summer break or something like that. But I, when I was coming, I booked my ticket. So I booked the return ticket for, I think it was that August or something. So I had no plans to, of course, travel, but because he made the ticket cheaper, so I bought the return. And then I was just chilling one day and and dad called and said, so he called me and said, oh, are you coming home since you have a ticket? I'm like, no, I'm not coming. So we agreed I wasn't coming. And I, about two days later, he calls me and says, oh, by the way, son, pack your bags and start coming home. <laughs> I'm like, this is a lot. I mean, you, you want me to come home on Friday or so, that, and then that, that I have to be here on Tuesday. What's the point? You understand? International travel. I'm, I leave on Friday. I come back on Tuesday. What is the point? Four days. And I'm going to spend about half of it hanging in the sky in some long metal tube like that. So, anyway, I obeyed. Uh, I, of course, not like I could disobey. <laughs> so, I obeyed. I went. And you know you know the interesting part? When I got home, we were just watching TV later. Was it that evening or the next day? And we put on... Was this BBC or so? And there it was. My The place I was renting a house, that estate was on BBC News because they decided they wanted to be violent that day. And they started to beat people up, throw glass, knife people, and all that, uh, down around Hackney that time. I think 20, what was it now? But the point is, I was literally staring at my own house on BBC. If I didn't live there, maybe somebody would have figured who is this guy and just randomly stabbed me. And Only God... God knew what was going to happen. That's why he said, Pack your bags and go home. So, many times, God comes with decisions that you are thinking, This is so, this makes zero sense. There's the train that will get you there in 15 minutes, there's the one that will get you there in one hour. And the Holy Ghost says, Wait for the one hour one. Well, it might be that there is somebody you would have to meet on the train that will take one hour, and that one hour buys you enough time to have meaningful conversation that will change your life. You don't know that, but the Holy Ghost does. But that's why we need to depend on him. Quick check. Should I do this? Should I not do this? Oh, let's go out for lunch. And all that. Mm, give me a minute. Not because you don't want to go for lunch, but because you need to... The Bible says a spiritual man judges all things. It might be lunch, but what do you know that is going to happen where you are going? I I was telling um, someone recently of, of something we had to deal with, and it was a wedding, and they had... Only God knows what they served all of them because we eventually had to start tracing people that attended the wedding because all of them ended up with... With a terrible bug like that, so you had to start like, okay, can you give us the wedding guest list? This person, where does he live? That person, where does he live? Because maybe God would have told you that, my friend, when you get to that wedding, don't eat. A servant of God was saying that he went to minister somewhere and he wanted to drink tea in the morning, and God said, don't drink tea. But he was feeling bad for the people that brought him food. That, I don't want to waste their food. Let me. So he decided to make himself some tea. So when the Holy Ghost, when he wasn't listening, the Holy Ghost said, um, okay, let that tea settle. So he left it and went. So when he lifted the tea and tilted it a bit, he realized there was something funny underneath that wasn't... If it's sugar, it should have dissolved by now. So he poured the tea elsewhere and checked it and found out it was grounded glass. The people was going to preach to had put glass Dad went to preach somewhere someday. and and So he finished preaching and they gave him some food. And he brought the food home. And when he got home, he said, "Uh, nobody should touch that food. And you know, one of the perks of a pastor's child is that the pastor will come home with goodies and all that once in a while at least. And so he said, nobody should touch it. Thankfully, we were obedient. Nobody touched it. And everybody went to bed. And in the middle of the night... The, the drinks they gave us that were sitting on the table started exploding one by one. Like, it was just, you know, we thought somebody threw a bomb in the kitchen. And we just went and, like, the drinks were just pa, 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 like that. So he, he smiled. And the meeting was, like, I think three days. So he smiled and went back the next day. Went and went down. So I think they were slightly shocked to see him, like, you are still here. You've come again. So he got in front and said, I, what have I done to you people that you want to kill me? That was what he asked them. Like, what did I do to you that you want to kill me? Because I told you the truth. You are trying to kill me. All of them, were, when he finished, so the elders came to him and said, uh, Man of God, we have gone to check. Uh, the, the food was, was, was not meant for you, sir. It was meant for uh, our resident pastor. So the food was meant for their own pastor but as god will save that pastor he made them switch the food and so they gave the good one to their pastor gave that the bad maybe they have given the bad one to their own pastor the pastor would not have been sensitive enough and he would have died so they switched it no the way god works i remember one time i think that was flying and, and somebody had gone to nigeria to go and do some awful charm like that and unfortunately for the person they ended up on the same so the person went to Nigeria to go do charm, came, was flying back with the charm and ended up on the same plane with dad and mom. And unfortunately for the person, he was going to go and do that charm to somebody they knew. Yeah, it was, all of that was because God had said, okay, change your ticket and do this and do this. If they didn't, that person would have succeeded in bringing it and maybe harmed the person. So many times when something happens, before we quickly say, God, where were you? Because God will not hold anybody. God will not hold you. God is too good. He won't hold you. God is not evil. He won't hold you. So when evil happens, the question should be: who failed? Who didn't listen? Who got warned and didn't say anything? I've seen stories of people die, and then somebody will come and say, Oh, and I had a dream that the person died. And what did you do about it? Sometimes in this church, a couple of years ago, uh the Lord just showed me that hmm, satan was trying to kill somebody so um i started to pray and pray and pray about it and all that and i didn't see anything i was just praying and then i was joining the headquarters dad was praying something and then dad suddenly said oh satan wants to kill somebody in the uk church the person i'm not even sure the person knows but you, you know some if 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 Nobody saw it and it had happened. People would now say, but that person prays, but that person worships, but that person does this. Whereas somewhere along the line, somebody failed. So spiritual dependence is that you also take responsibility for your own spiritual survival. You take responsibility for your own spiritual journey. Many times people will say, pastor, pray for me. No, pray for yourself. Pastor's prayer should be top up on top of your own prayers because God will hear you over your life before the pastor. Let me say that again. When you pray for yourself and God and your pastor prays for you, God will first hear you before he hears what your pastor has to say for you. You are the biggest stakeholder. After God, you are the biggest stakeholder in your own life. So we must take responsibility for our spiritual dependence so that the Holy Ghost can help us in Jesus' name. Number three is that the third module is that we start to learn the movement of the Holy Spirit on our hearts. So first one is obedience. Second one is spiritual dependence. Number three is that you start to learn the movement of the Holy Ghost on your heart. You start to understand that if you have this sense, what does it mean? If you see this if, you, if, you, if, you, if suddenly you are preaching and you see this, what does it mean? You know, the classic example is they will say that when you are praying and, and you've got like heat on your hand, that it means that the healing anointing is close. Most times, yes, but not every time. Sometimes you feel a pain in your arm as you are praying. And it's not, that pain is not for you. That pain means that there is somebody in the congregation feel, having pain at that point where it's paining. You know the Bible says you just can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So sometimes your leg is paining you, and as the pastor you are thinking, no oh, it's because I've stood for too long. Whereas the reason it's paining is because there's somebody in the congregation whose leg is hurting, and you need to pray for. So as we start to journey with the Holy Ghost, you start to realize, okay, this is what this means. That's why they say it takes time to know God. That's why you must start early. Because it takes time to know that, okay, this is what this means. This is what that means. This is what this feeling means. This is what this sensation means. This is what this vision means. But as we keep journeying with God, you'll be able to get to that point where you can tell where God is happy with something you just did. You can tell when God is sad with what the Holy Ghost is just sad with something that you just said. Look at the life of Moses. The Lord said the first time, strike the rock. He struck the rock. Water came out. Yes or no? Second time, the Lord said, speak to the rock. Moses stood and said, shall we provide water for you out of this rock? And the Bible says he took the rod, smoke it. Did water come out or not? Did the people drink or not? He got the same result. But while the people were drinking, you know it took time for 2 million people to drink. While people was, were drinking, God called Moses on the side and said, because you did not hold on before the people, you are fired. So he still got the result, but he was fired because he didn't obey, because he didn't follow the instruction like the Lord said. When we start to mature in the things of God, one of the signs of it is that you follow instructions to the letter. The Lord says, Stop here. You stop there. The Lord, I've told us the story of the man before that. He went to a mountain to pray. He went to a mountain to seek God. So as he was praying and worshiping, the Holy Ghost said, Go on your knees. Like it was a command. So as, as you know, typical people will still be debating Should I go on my knees? Should I not go? On my, was that God? Was that not God? The first thing the man did was drop. Once he heard it, he dropped. You know what happened? As he dropped, gunshots went over his head. The police had been tracing criminals and they had traced them to the neighborhood of that mountain. So they thought they saw the thieves and started shooting. So if the man was standing, he would have caught the bullet in the head and people would be like, oh my God, he went to the mountain to pray. They killed him there. He should have stayed in his house, not praying. But all of this is because... He, he, he survived because he could he could hear God one, and because he had gotten to that place in obedience that it, he didn't he didn't start debating with God should I kneel down should I not kneel down should I. Now we are passing Jesus name, and then the um next one the fourth one is called, is what I call spiritual dexterity and flexibility. And it follows on on the previous one now you've learned the spiritual dexterity and flexibility now you've learned the movement of the holy ghost this it now you now get to the point where you need to start you need to start moving like him so you so so the holy ghost says i i want to heal somebody lay your hands so you go to this one the holy ghost tells you to lay your hands you lay your hands It is not you and the person gets healed. The problem is that many times when that happens, it is the man that people see. They do not see the Holy Ghost. That is actually the one touching people. So you lay your hands on somebody. You get to the next person and the Holy Ghost says, don't lay your hands and you skip the person. And then you lay your hands on the next person. And they are wondering what's happening. You've gotten to that flexible point where you you move the way the Holy Ghost wants to move. You speak the way the Holy Ghost wants to speak. You respond. you you, that is, you become a vessel such that your responses are the responses of God. You know, there's a popular statement, what would Jesus do? That it will become literal that you what you do is what Jesus would have done in that situation. If Jesus saw a blind man that was willing to be healed, would Jesus have passed him by? No. So that when the Holy Ghost moves you to pray for... Not everybody... Not every blind man is to be prayed for. There are people that are blind. The people are blind for different reasons. And it is God that knows the reason for which that person became blind. Um, there was the story of a woman that she, she started to interface with familiar spirits. Such that she would say Jesus came to her room and did this and did that. But the brethren were thinking, this doesn't, this doesn't sound... You know, Satan likes to mimic God. But what Satan also cannot do is completely hide his identity. Somebody said Jesus came to his room and, and, and he, he noticed he looked closely and realized this Jesus had a tail. So he's like, mm, okay, say Jesus is Lord. If you are Jesus, say Jesus is Lord. You know, that's where problems start. Because the Bible says no one can call Jesus God with, except by the Holy Ghost. And no one can call him a curse. So when you see a spirit like I say... I have seen people completely led astray by spiritual experiences that they cannot deny. This woman in question, she eventually, eventually this spirit came one day and said, I am Jesus and I would like to sleep with you. And then she said yes. And when they got to it, she became blind. I think she's dead now or something like that. There are some things that, that one is going to take more than, that is not an issue of just laying on of hands and the matter is solved. <laughs> I, I have seen people that, spirits appear to them and say, start walking this way, start walking that way, start doing, the, and then they do it. And I've learned in my little experience that people like that, they are diff- they are sometimes difficult to help because they cannot deny what they saw. I mean, if you saw the Lord Jesus Christ for real, and somebody tells you it's not Jesus, would you agree? So a spirit comes and speaks to people and says, I am Moses or I am Elijah, and starts to give them instructions. And it's not like they are imagining, he's standing. I heard the story of a young man that he one day he went to the river and um, a spirit appeared to him on top, like Physically, he's looking at it. It's too high. like this, and so he starts saying, oh, I've been watching you, and I want to help you to see and help other people." So he that "Sure." So what what would you what would you have made to... And the spirit said, "Okay, if you provide these items in your in your in in the corner of your room, I'll be able to I'll be able to come." You know you know what you know why shrines are the way they are, because those are those every item in a shrine. When um, Moses was going to build the, 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 temple, the tabernacle, the Bible says the Lord said to him that make sure you build it according to specification. The reason is because that specification was a replica of the throne of God in heaven. And so it, the idea is to, as your, your will is done on earth, as it is in heaven, it's the same thing in every spiritual realm, even in the demonic spiritual realm. So if you, every spirit has a conducive environment. So if you create that environment, the spirit will come. And so the spirit can, it is we that don't fully understand nature. You don't know what trees really mean. You don't know what they can say. You don't know, you don't know what animals, when they make their sounds, what they are saying in the spirit realm, you don't know. But these spirits know. So when they say, if you put this item, put seven peppers that way, put three this this way, put that this way, and then I will come. That's why it is dangerous. All these shows that make fun of witchcraft, And then you wonder why people cannot sleep at night. Say if you, um, all jar boards and all these things. You read these things, and you they say repeat this. You repeat them, and you wonder why something is pressing your neck in the middle of night. That is why, you are creating an atmosphere conducive for that spirit to be able to manifest. So, so this young man, after he had done all these things, that's how the spirit invaded, his house. So now he could see people's problems. He could tell them what their problems is. He could help them. But he himself was suffering. He he would not be able to sleep. You know, sleep is good. If they keep you awake for two weeks straight, you might become a cannibal. There was an experiment where they kept rats. They kept them in a cage and played them heavy metal music. They ended up eating each other. They hurt each other. If you don't sleep for two you will go crazy. So, this man was losing his mind because he's out here telling people their problems and issues, but he himself is dying on the inside. When any, spirits, when any spirit invades your life, you will die inside. Even if the Holy Ghost invades your life, the Bible says, I die daily. You will die too. It's just that the way we, the death we die, when is the Holy Ghost, is death to our flesh, death to things that are not conducive for the Spirit of God. Not, but, but demons, every person would end up manifesting the attributes of the Spirit that has invaded them. That's why we have the fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot invade your life and you will not end up manifesting fruits of the Spirit. Same way, If demons invade your life, it is not possible to not manifest the characteristics. So if you see madness, what does that tell you? What spirit is in the person? If you see a mad person, what spirit has invaded the person? Spirit of madness. If you see a sick person, the spirit of infirmity. When you see the characteristics, you can know the spirit behind it. So when you see somebody that is meek, that is gentle that it has self-control, you will know that the Holy Ghost has invaded this soul. What number am I? Number five. Last one. The fifth one is called waiting. <clears throat> Psalm 130 verse 6 says, My soul waited for you. So at this point now, you've, become, you've been walking closely with the Holy Ghost for years. You've, you've become a giant. You, you, are, you are following in his footsteps or everything. But then the Holy Ghost tells you to go and sit down, and you wait. If you look at, um, I won't read it because of time, but if you look at 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2, that's when all the men came, gathered, and joined David in cave Hadulam. And the Bible said he became lord over them and started to train them. By the time you get to Second Samuel 23, verse 13 to 17, you see the story of when David said, Oh, somebody just get me of a drink by the well in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was where David grew up. That well was the well he drank growing up. So he was basically longing for his hometown. And this one's head. It it wasn't that he commanded them. They just heard him. And the Bible says three men took their swords and broke through the garrison. The Philistines had invaded that area. But they broke through and went to fetch him water from that well. And the Bible says when they brought it, it, he said I cannot drink because this is not the blood of people that have put their lives in jeopardy, so he didn't drink it. He poured it out as an offering for God. But this man, this at this point, he was not yet king, but this man had become giants and powerful people. He had trained them enough that three people broke through an army to go and get him water. But what were they still doing at Adulam? Waiting. So they had become, sometimes you had become spiritual giants. Sometimes in the corner of your room, you are having powerful encounters with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will tell you, and you will see a sick person that you know that if you... <laughs> the Son of God said that at, there was a time that at that point he had had the healing anointing. He could pray for sick people. But that because <laughs> he, he was hiding from his... He was hide, his mother had called him crazy. So he, he, when he gets home and they say, ah your brother is sick, Is this, 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 and this. He knows that the anointing, healing anointing rests upon him. He will say, ah, where's the closest pharmacy now? Let's go and buy paracetamol. He would not say, a eh, because he was he was hiding his what God had given. He was hiding it for certain reasons, but there are many where the Holy Ghost would keep you in the wilderness. Even Jesus one, you know, when, when the Holy Ghost came upon Jesus at baptism, he, he had all the abilities he needed. But yet, the, Lord still, the, the Holy Ghost still kept him in the wilderness for 40 days. John the Baptist spent his entire life in the wilderness. People were coming to him by Jordan. His problem came when he decided to transport him to the city. To now be telling the king who he can marry and who he cannot marry. You know, his problem came because he went to tell the king that you, you are not supposed to collect your... your, your your, your brother's wife. And it was that brother's wife that eventually plotted out to kill him. If he had stayed, you know many of the suffering of Apostle Paul was because of his longing for Jews. He himself said that God made Peter the apostle to the Jews. He made Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. Well, most of Paul's sufferings were from Jews because he would always go and poke his head where God did not send him. God did not send you to the Jews. Leave the Jews alone. But he won't. And every time he went to poke his nose, they stone him to death. They beat him. All sorts of suffering came upon him. So at, at this point in the school of the Spirit, God has given you abilities. You have proven them. You have trusted them. Like God hid David in the wilderness. He had killed the lion. He had killed the bear. Yet, God did not unleash him. Until God occasioned a a, a day came and God made sure he got to the front line of the Philistines. And then he killed Goliath and then God revealed, let God be the one that announces you. Let God be the one that puts you on the stage. Let God be the one that shows you to the world. Because at that point, the security you need is also there. Every glory has a defense. God might have shown you the glory, but He might not have finished building the defense around you. So if you go and you say, Oh, you can see this glory, and then you step out and your defense is not complete, there might be a problem. Just bother your heads where you are this morning and just respond to the Holy Spirit. I don't know uh, where you are in your journey with the Holy Ghost. I don't know where you are. Maybe just respond to him that from where I am, maybe we have, maybe maybe some of us have even st- we have left school. That the Holy Ghost gave you a leading, and you you completely ab- and you've absconded from Him that time. You know, you know. Sometimes people 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 that pray, maybe in the place of prayer, the Holy Ghost said one or two things and they didn't like it, and they ran out of prayer room, and they've not gone back there since. Just respond to the Holy Ghost and say, "Help me." Holy Spirit, help me. If any class I've missed, any class I've missed, Satan is always looking for chinks in our hammer. He's always looking for lessons that we didn't completely learn. He's always looking for aspects of our lives where our obedience is not complete. Maybe it is that stop watching TV for a month. Maybe it is that don't do this for a year. Maybe it is that don't do this again ever. The Holy Ghost comes with this instruction specific for the destiny he has for you. So ask him. Everywhere I may have missed it. Everywhere I have unenrolled un- 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 myself. Everywhere I have quit school. And Satan has been taken... Hmm. Holy Spirit, help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Many times, Satan knows that that weakness is there. But he, he doesn't... Ex- he, he waits... He waits. He waits for the... He doesn't exploit it immediately. He waits for the day when you are up there. So that the embarrassment to God and to yourself can be very big. So he waits until that day and then he exploits that thing. Ask the Lord that every weakness... Tell the Holy Ghost, every weakness I exchange for strength. In the name of Jesus. Every weakness I exchange for strength. Every weakness I exchange for strength. Help me. Help me. Build my character build my person let me be flexible in your hand let me be flexible in your hand give me the strength to obey when you call give me the strength to obey as you call give me the strength to obey at the point where you call not not obey Saul was telling Samuel um all the people you asked me to kill I killed and the people took the 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 sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to your god for Samuel told him that, my friend, you have disobeyed the word of the Lord. It is possible to be doing things that look like God's activities, whereas you are in utter disobedience. There are people that look the most busy, sometimes are busy doing the wrong things. Say, Lord, help me. Help me. Help my heart. Help me to do your things the way you want them done, not the way I think they should be done. Help me, Father. Help me, Father. Help me, Father Lika Just make a commitment to God. Holy Spirit, help me. Just make a commitment to the Holy Ghost. That as you show me, some of us have had abilities that we have lost because we had ignored them. Maybe there were things you could do before. Maybe there are spiritual abilities you could. You could prophesy before you could you you dreamt and those dreams came to pass. You you saw visions, you oh, spiritual abilities. You could pray for sick people and they would recover. All sorts of things. But but some things that happened that put a distance between you and the Holy Ghost. And now those abilities are lost. Ask for them back this morning. Say Holy Ghost, this ability I had before that has disappeared now. I ask that you restore. Have mercy. Forgive my disobedience and restore in the name of Jesus. Restore, 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 restore. Everything lost, restore, 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 restore. restore Holy Spirit. Restore in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Precious Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Lord, I ask that much more than we have said today and throughout this series, I ask that you you bring to our hearts, you bring to our remembrance, teach us, you are the greatest teacher, teach us, help us to follow you, lead us, we submit ourselves unto you once again, lead us, help us. Every class we have skipped, bring them back. Every lesson we have not learned that might allow Satan to exploit our lives in, in, in the future. Holy Ghost, fortify us, train us, help us that we will be thoroughly furnished. No chinks in our hammer, no hole in our hammer in the name of Jesus. Thank you as you bless us as a people. Cause your face to shine upon us, be gracious unto us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. That brings us to the end of our (laughs) seven-part series. See? Uh, We got there in the end. Hallelujah.